<laughs> Thank you, Kaylee, for that weather update and that really, really amazing transition there. Right now, we're going to welcome on our next guest. This is our community segment, our first community segment of the morning, and we're getting started off with the bang with the one and only Grace Sharkey, who heads up our point of sale community. And today, we get to talk about emerging tech trends. Grace, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, appreciate it. And yeah, wonderful transition. But here we are. <laughs> here <laughs> we are. Smile and wave. That's, that's all. That's all yes, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Grace, thanks for being here today. And let's dig right into it. Obviously, you write a ton about the retail space for point of sale, but you also tie that into freight tech very often. And we're heading into now the second half of 2023. Freight tech's kind of been a little quiet this year. It was in a down market. What are some emerging trends to come out for the second half of the year? Well, I think there's uh, three big areas that, especially even if you're talking about retailers in particular, are using and deploying today. And uh, all three of these areas, I think, are, aren't are areas that are in trial, right? People are uh, trying to use, but maybe isn't fully operational. I think these are three strong areas where really great companies behind them that are bringing some great value. First is the... I think the buzzword of 2023 at this point, uh, probably even the end of 2022, is artificial intelligence, AI, machine learning, ways to, of course, help improve these little operations. Uh, I mean, even down to some like pricing right in our organization or industry uh, is something that can be helped and promoted through artificial intelligence. And I think this one's kind of my favorite because there's a number of technologies for years now that uh, have been utilizing artificial intelligence tech in order to improve uh, operations, whether it's a logistics provider, brokerage, even I think when we look at pricing tools, right, even those analytics as well. So uh, as much as people maybe feel like it's it's new or on the horizon, no, I think what's happening is more as we're finally seeing the work that we've put into AI tech, the data that we started to accumulate is finally becoming valuable in the way that we use this technology. So that's a huge one. We also have paperless trade. That's uh, one of my most uh, favorite areas right right now to really look at, especially on a more global scale, but even down to companies like uh, my carrier who are working with LTL uh, companies to start moving to EBOLs. Anyone who's worked in or has even dealt with an LTL shipment knows that the paperwork, right? If the wrong paperwork is used, uh, if certain aspects of the shipment, like a residential delivery is not marked, uh, there's just huge fees that can pile up with you over time. So uh, that is another one I'm really excited about. And the last one, and Adam Josephson just wrote a really great article about this, I think about a week and a half ago, is supply chain finance. Uh, and this one's really, I think, important when we look at shippers, CPG companies, really starting to find ways to leverage better uh, relationships with vendors, with suppliers, in order to really compete at a higher level against their peers and uh, take advantage of uh, opportunities to improve their cash flow and their operating uh, cash flow as well. So Grace, I want to do a little bit of a zoom in on that last one on supply chain financing, because we had Adam on yesterday on Waves. Now, he explained a little bit about what supply chain financing is, and then also about some now federal rules that came out from the Federal Accounting Standards Board, which are requiring companies to disclose their use of 
supply chain financing. And that's really fascinating to me because from a wide view, supply chain financing looks like taking on additional debt, but it's not classified as traditional debt. And it doesn't have to be reported as such, doesn't necessarily affect a company's creditworthiness, but maybe should it. What does that look like from an adoption standpoint in the freight tech space? And then also from a technology standpoint, are we looking at this kind of traditional, you know, I'm a supplier, I go to my bank and then my bank handles with the vendor, or is there more of a streamlined way that people are using it? Well, I think that especially in our industry, and and especially because supply chain finance can happen on such a global scale, uh, when we look at blockchain technology, that's going to become huge and really applying transparency to the risk levels that we're seeing more on the supply chain finance side. Yes, I think there definitely needs to be some regulation behind it and how people are reporting it within their books, uh, because uh, a perfect example, I don't know if you guys remember this from about two years ago now, uh, we saw supply chain financing take kind of a, a hit in it, its reputation overseas with Credit Suisse giving out too much of it to a company called Green Sill, uh, which I believe was a, a, their steel suppliers was a huge part of that risk. And they ended up losing $10 billion because of how much was being uh, lent out. Of course, uh, that trickles down into a lot of different areas and a number of people that worked for Greensill lost their jobs. So there, I think that was a big point where a lot of people globally said, listen, we need yes, this needs to be reported differently in people's books and we need a little bit more transparency and how deep people are going into uh, their supply chain finance pockets in order to uh, take advantage. Now, there's some companies that are going to use it appropriately. I think Adam did a great job of touching on that. Uh, And then there are some that are, I think, unfortunately using it uh, in ways that it should be uh, showcased in more of a debt situation. So it's, uh, I, again, I think there definitely needs to be uh, more regulation or ma- transparency, right, on how it's being reported. Uh, and yeah, I saw that segment. He hit on that perfectly. And I think from the examples that we've seen internationally of where this could go wrong, uh, we might as well, as we start adopting it more and more here, especially domestically, uh, start making sure that transparency happening. And Grace, going back to the first one that you mentioned, AI, of course, is a big one throughout the beginning of this year. And really, as you mentioned, has had underpinnings within so many industries for years before this. But when we're looking at the advancements in technology, is this going to be one of those things that people are going to really have to be able to adapt or really start to fall behind? There's other instances of freight tech in the industry where, you know what, I'll say I'm going to skip this one and keep doing things a manual way or the old-fashioned way. But is this wave going to be the next one that's really going to start to set people apart? You know, you know, whenever you look at new technology being adopted, you look at the the pros and cons of being an early and a late adopter, right? And when it comes to AI, the the fact that it needs that it improves, right, as you apply more data and clean data to it. Uh, For me, I see a huge risk with late adopters coming into the field, not having that data prepared or that data uh, even existing or or possible for AI to learn from. So for me, it's one of those things where if you apply it today, especially if you're looking to apply it to maybe how you're pricing inside your your four walls of a a small, medium-sized brokerage, uh, that... uh, 
investment might not pay off tomorrow, but as you start to apply and uh, excel in how much data you're putting into the system, uh, it's going to learn more and more and it's going to become smarter and smarter. And then you'll be able to catch up with uh, something like, like Sonar, right? So I think uh, for me, the weight of being a late adopter in the AI world does make me does make me a little bit nervous for those companies. I think there will be tools to kind of help them catch up a little bit down the line. But when it comes to teaching uh, these these algorithms and this text these technologies about what you're hoping it will do without your help, uh, you might as well start today and have that continue to get better and better every day until until that investment, you know, feels feels more uh, of a return to you. But being a late adopter in it, there's going to be so many people ahead of you at the end of the day. There we go. All right, Grace, thank you for joining us this morning for your community segment. We'll catch a point of sale on FreightWaves TV and on Wednesday afternoons. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more FreightWaves Now.